welcome everybody to the Everybody Counts podcast. Tonight, we're going to be discussing Bosch Legacy Season 2, Episode 7, titled I Miss Vin Scully. It was written by Benjamin Pitts and directed by Haifa Al-Mansour. Joined tonight by Tracy Phillips. And how are you doing tonight, Tracy? I'm doing okay. I, I might be a little punchy. So, Episode 7. So, as always... I mean, really, always, there's a lot going on, but things are starting to tie together more in this episode, and it's it's like one reveal after another, and it's like putting the pieces of a a puzzle together, and so yeah, it's very, it's very, very intriguing, and we get to know more, we finally, in this episode, finally get the names of these dirty cops. Harry gets a text from uh, Pierce, Detective Pierce, and he tells him the names that they are Ellis and Long of Advice. And then he goes on to get Mo to dig into them more. And we'll talk about that and their history a little bit later. But we do, yes, find out in this episode that their names are Ellis and Long. Ellis being the older one and Long, the younger guy. So they're both despicable. So I can't say Ellis is the despicable guy, you know. Yeah. So we have They're to find a way to differentiate them. <laughs> despicable <laughs> so, Ellis and despicable Long. <laughs> the episode opens with Ellis and Long watching this apartment building. And, you know, so the assumption is they got another scam going. Who are they extorting yep. this time? But this one turns out to be some actual police work that they've been assigned to. And they're trying to infiltrate like a human trafficking ring. Yep. And so... Long, our younger despicable detective, gets out and um, goes to one of the apartments and starts making this arrangement with this woman. But first she has to take care of the money. So she gets the money and she takes it to another apartment and hands it over to a man. So and then we've got Detective Ellis in the car getting photos of that. So I think he says gotcha or something like that. So they will eventually take this back to their supervisor and we'll get into that a little bit later in the episode. But before they follow up with their supervisor, they break into, or Ellis breaks into Harry's house. Do you want to talk about that scene? Yes. So I marked it as Bosch's house gets creeped. <laughs> That's a good description. That's a good I description. Mean, we see we see Ellis going through Bosch's house, seeing what he can find. He uh, finds a picture of Bosch and Maddie together. Um, I think he was going. Th- didn't he? Wasn't he going through his record cabinet too at some point, or shuffling through mail stuff like that? Definitely shuffling through some papers, like looking at his yeah. bed and mattress and under. Yeah, like he's that. looking under the mattress. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, he's just. And this, we kind of discussed this with Tom Bernardo in our interview, and stay tuned for that at the end of this episode for the uh, showrunner spotlight segment with Tom Bernardo. But we were kind of talking with Tom Bernardo. It's like, I think this is the first time we actually see somebody creeping Bosch's house or, you know, looking through Bosch's stuff. We know it's happened in the past. Um, First season of Legacy, you had that hit woman going through Bosch's office. But this is the first time we actually see his house having somebody go through it. When he's not there. When he's he's not there. there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, season five, you had the three guys coming up the hill trying to take him out, but they weren't just looking for 
looking for information on right right on harry but yeah so they uh so ellis finds that picture he uh goes back and shows it to long saying that this, you know the cop that was abducted like four or five months back you know he she's his daughter you know so they're definitely um, going to try to leverage this information and yes so, so how they're going to do it is when they do go talk to their supervisor like, I don't know if he's a captain or what his um, rank is, but they're following up on, you know, what they saw at the apartment building and, you know, that they can go back and get on recording, get the violation on tape and so forth. And uh, the supervisor points out that this would actually fall under, I guess, Department of Homeland Security. Yep. And so, but it sounds like they're, this ring has more than one location. So they're like, if there's, if there's multiple locations on the search warrant, can we handle this one and of course they would need help so having found this photo and wanting to leverage this relationship with Bosch and a current LAPD police officer their idea is to use Hollywood crew to help them go and bust up this ring I don't know a better technical term but (laughs) that's what they're trying to do so and and oh sorry just sorry I didn't want to jump in there I did write down because I paused where they're talking to this, their their superior, and it's a mm-hmm. lieutenant. Lieutenant, okay. Them. Yeah, I, I wrote okay. down the name Jack DeRay. Is that I don't know if I, how you say that, but because I'm I'm curious when I see a new character come on, yeah. it's a supervisor pay, pay person. I just kind of hit pause just to see if they have a name. Yeah, and you don't you don't know if you're going to see him again. So yeah, exactly. So yeah, he, but he, he some trivia you never know. <laughs> <laughs> right, either one. So he agrees with them. That's a great idea. Later, Maddie has some time with Harry at his office. He asks about her boyfriend, and uh, she says, "You know, it's Rico," and she's talking about looking for an apartment. Of course, he always wants to give her an opportunity to come back and stay with him. He even tries to to pull the emotional card and say oh, Coltrane yeah. misses her, <laughs> and she calls him out on that. But she assures him that, or she says everything's fine with Rico, but she just needs her own place. So she also asks Harry about his case and tells her that the the Wynn brothers were murdered and how he thinks that it might be connected to the Lexi Parks case. So he he definitely Bosch definitely is feeling some stuff about this murder not uh, not only does it feel connected to him but he he seems really bothered by it that like that he thinks that he led them there with his that someone was following him that he almost feels mm-hmm. responsible i think in, in yeah. a way and obviously he's not but you know it it does feel like it's it's weighing on him so yeah he he shares that with her so ellis and long meet up with reina because she's like the yeah. the point person for crew and she and Ellis are, are going through a plan and assigning different roles and they assign all the names and then there's one left Maddie Bosch so yep. he says that she can be in the, the comms communications truck with him and she says oh would that work and she's like oh yeah she's a gamer now, um, do you want to continue on with the with the op yeah so uh we get to see inside the com van uh, long is testing the mic on the wire he'll be wearing for the operation he exits the van and goes up to the apartment knocks on the door this time he goes to to apartment two where the like where the pimp is i think he goes to four both times actually yeah but first this time first he goes to apartment two to the pimp and says i'm I'm responding to the ad I gotta and, rewatch that because I yeah. thought he goes to do- do- door four both times. He goes to do- door four after 
he goes to door two the oh, second time. He? Yeah. Because I was like, why That's is he going to why is he going to see the guy? Isn't he going to, you know, I mean, he's going to have an appointment with the with the woman. Mm-hmm. But he goes and to the guy first. Oh, I think if that's the case, I think he went to the separate door because he had to show like proof that he had like an appointment. Okay. The guy, the guy or I think, I think. Yeah, Long he said, show me your phone. It. Yeah. Yeah. Show me your phone. So he has to hand over his phone type of thing. So I think maybe that's the reason why he went to the different door. Yeah. Maybe I didn't pick up on it. And maybe he did the it's first awesome. time and we just didn't see that. I don't know. True. You know, but I was just like, wait, isn't it apartment four? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Yeah, so he's allowed in after the quick meeting with the man in charge. I don't think I got a name on that guy. So, but that's that's fine. I mean, he's a bad guy. So, bad yeah. guy number who knows? We lost count of how many bad guys exactly. are in each season. So, so yeah. Uh, so we get to so long gets the girl woman to say the words needed for a search warrant. So Maddie and Ellis are listening in in the van. And I think he asked for like something extra special or no, they already agreed on something extra special. And then Long was saying that he kind of wants a little bit more. And she says like an around the world would cost, would cost more, another 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. So, but then she says the magic words, like uh, you wear a condom and take off your clothes. I'll be right mm-hmm. back. So Ellis is, looks pumped. You know, he goes to a radio mm-hmm. to, to see if he can get that search warrant. So after that, we see how Ellis kind of smooths things, or not smooths things over, but kind of smoothly, you know, pouring them each a cup of coffee, trying to talk about her dad, you know, just trying to, uh, I think, I'm pretty sure he was just saying what he wanted to say to kind of get on her good side. You know, he don't want to yeah. say, you know, he didn't want to say that Bosch is, is, is uh, uh, like the words he used earlier, dinosaur for the dark side, you know? Yeah. Remember we see we hear him saying that in episode four or five, the Hollywood Forever episode. So it's like sorry, he, he tries to get her to yeah. to bring up her dad, I think, by making that comment about, you know, That's she asked right. about his job and he's like, Well, it, you know, it's obviously it's been a long time. It's been more of a career for him. And he mentions yeah. how a lot of officers now think of it as like a gig you know yeah. not necessarily a career and so that's kind of that like, like an, kind of an old school philosophy you know or whatever yeah. and so i i think he's trying to kind of use that maybe that will bring up her dad because he's of that yeah. same generation you know and she does she says oh it sounds like my dad and then and then they start you know talking more and you know she talks he you're right he's he's complimentary of boss he's not like over yes zealous about it you know but yeah he has nice things to say about him so it encourages her to keep talking yeah and she does and yeah and she, she does and she does and we're like stop and talking stop but, talking yeah. <laughs> yeah we're we're all yelling at the tv no no he's a bad guy stop <laughs> talking to him <laughs> but uh yeah she slips up and says that tells Alice about the case that Bosch is working might be connected to a double murder at the watch store also mentions that the uh, witness saw two masked men leaving the scene afterwards mm-hmm. oh yes yeah, so Maddie lets that slip mm-hmm. and I was, it was kind of a question I was going to save for the end but did you feel the same way I did that Else is just saying what he want or what he thinks Maddie would want him to hear him hear. Totally, yeah. And say about Bosch is yeah. to kind of get that gets any information he could have. 
I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say he's trying to endear her to him, but he's trying to develop a, a level of comfort and trust with him. Like oh, he can, okay. like she can relate to him and maybe kind of through her dad and, and, you know, she's the younger cop, you know, so he kind of, yes. I mean, he's trying to set it up so that she feels comfortable talking for sure. Yep. Yeah. That's what I thought too. I just thought maybe somebody might see it as, well, I mean, we know Ellis knows about Bosch that he's on their tail stuff like that yeah so because maybe some people might take it the other way where it's like oh maybe he actually believes that that uh that his dad had or that her dad had a great career with the lapd with what he did and if he thinks this guy is innocent then maybe he is but i just i don't buy yeah. it <laughs> no and clearly he didn't they didn't know him because they had to go and pull his mail to see who he was and then of course they can research and find out that he was a detective in the lapd yeah. and stuff but he he makes sure he tells her that he only uh, that he knows him by reputation because he yeah. doesn't know all the personal details he couldn't have this in-depth conversation with her about him yeah. but he does know of him and you know and his reputation so exactly She's trying to be all smooth and it's just so disgusting. Yes. <laughs> Especially the way it was you know, we as viewers watching it's like this is just a slimy way to get slimy. You know, mm -hmm. it's like if he knows Bosch by reputation, he knows he shouldn't be messing with his daughter. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, somebody messed with the, with her with his daughter four or five months ago and the guy's in jail now. So it's like mm -hmm. But then we get the takedown at the apartment complex. Uh, boy, I wish we can get some interviews with somebody. I know we interviewed Tom Bernardo, and I'm really hoping we can talk to like Tim Marsh or something like that. That's that helped coordinate this as a technical yeah. advisor. Mm -hmm. If uh, any viewers out there, or listeners out there, Tom, uh, Tim Marsha used to be RHD. Uh, he's a technical advisor on Bosch and Bosch Legacy. He's also worked with Mitzi Roberts. You've you've personally have interviewed both of them in previous podcasts. So if you want to look, go back and listen to those podcasts with Tim. And yeah, I mean, I, I may be biased since it's our podcast, but I find the details they share so interesting and fascinating yes. to to kind of pick their brains. And they're so generous to talk about it. So definitely, if you're interested in that at all, go look up um, those episodes on the podcast yep. i was gonna say yeah we learned from tom you'll hear later in his segment that um tim had a lot to do with sort of choreograph choreographing and coordinating these scenes yes and, um, yeah i'm still hoping we can interview him at some point even if it's in between seasons where oh yeah little tidbits that he's helped out with i'll it's talk always to great tim to... any day he's yeah, such, a, well, such a nice man too it was you and jay interviewing tim and Mitzi, if I'm not mistaken, the last it was a time. great, great interview because I, I just I love hearing behind the scenes stuff yeah. like that. So it is but, fascinating, um, fascinating. Yes. So we uh, see the takedown the apartment complex. You have crew and well, LAPD or is it like a SWAT unit, something like that? I don't know. Um, I don't know where the other police officers were, but it looked like they were kind of in riot gear. Or, they got their uh, gear. They got their helmets, their bulletproof yeah. vests. And what do you call those things that you hit through the door? That was driving me nuts today. I was trying to remember the name of that. Shoot. That's a good question. Oh, Dang it. It's something with a B, I think. Like a battering, a battering ram or something. Battering like ram? battering ram? Because I remember the movie that's, I think that's the word I was it. thinking of. I like the movie SWAT where they had uh, that. That uh, thing they shoot through the wall and it expands out and pulls the wall all through. So I thought maybe my wife would know it off the top of her head, but it's driving. It is us. a type of it's a battering ram. 
Okay, battering me. Okay. Yes, finally, for sure. Good job, Gracie. Okay. Thank you, Appreciate it. Thank you, Angie. Angie's like our producer in the background. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, they've got their their gear on their helmets, their uh, bulletproof vest, and they got the battering ram to go through the door, and they do yes. bust into apartment two where the pimp is. Yeah, so Ellis gets uh, rough with the guy in charge of the traffic uh, trafficking ring, throws him into like a pillar or something like that. Guy yeah. falls on the ground. He kicks him over so he can handcuff him. He hands Maddie a pair of plastic cuffs to cuff the what does he call her a bottom. Yeah, apparently, I had to look that up. So the yeah, bottom is okay. like the the lead sex worker, prostitute, or whatever in this type of operation. She's like the head woman or whatever if it's okay. females. But yeah, it's called the, the bottom. I was not familiar with that. So when I saw it in the subtitles, um, had to had to look that up. Yeah, but I didn't yeah, look and because I'm like, I saw it in the subtitles too, and I thought it might just been a miss, like a no, a it's an actual like okay. um role or whatever okay. in this type of organization. So yeah, and Maddie doesn't look very happy about it. Yes, yeah, well, because she even says her too, you know. Yeah, and what does what does Ella say? Well, we don't know what uh, she knows know, or something. We don't know her involvement. Yeah, her involvement. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's. That's like one of the first, like, I think red flags for Maddie. Well, that and the fact that he's kicking the guy around and saying, I love this effing yes. job. You know, like he's yes, happy about right. doing it, you know. So it's like yeah, all of a sudden she's seeing like these, wait, this guy isn't maybe as cool as I thought he was. Yeah. Well, we talk about that with Tom as well, too. And yeah. Keep listening to hear that pod or hear that interview. Sorry. We'll try, we'll try not to give away the whole interview before the end yes. of the podcast. <laughs> We'll just throw in a few, you know, teasers. That should be our last little teaser, right? That should yeah. be our last teaser for That's the our last for teaser. The, this podcast. So, so later on, after the afterwards, the uh, you're seeing people being put into vehicles or vans mm -hmm. being taken away. You know, Ellis tells Maddie that things got a little hectic up up there, but you know what is said there stays there type of thing. He thinks it's Vegas. You know what happens there stays there. <laughs> Yeah. I remember her telling him that she says it was educational. Mm -hmm. And then Ellis and Long take off in their car. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I'd say educational is a pretty fair statement. I mean, I don't think Maddie done anything like that before. So if nothing else, it was educational. Well, she got rough with that guy in episode five, but that was kind of like adrenaline rage. Yeah. And we talked a about that in that podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. So we... At least, I mean, it was a great, great scene taking down the trafficking ring. Yeah. Um, using that battering ram that we just figured out the name, <laughs> officially the name of it. Yeah. Battering you always ram. think of like a battering You always think of like a battering ram, like uh, every time I hear battering ram or something like that. You ever watch mm -hmm. the old movie Dragnet with uh, I haven't, Tom Hanks? No. I know of it, but I haven't watched it. Yeah. Oh, every time I hear battering ram, uh, viewers, uh, listeners out there, I hope you think the same way I do. If you've ever seen uh, the movie Dragnet with Tom Hanks and. Uh, oh, Dan Aykroyd. Is it Dan Aykroyd? Dan Aykroyd. Yes. Thank you, Dan Aykroyd. They uh, commandeer a tank with like a battering ram thing that says like LAPD oh. on the front, have a nice day type of thing. It's okay. <laughs> freaking hilarious. So if you ever get a chance to watch the movie, or if you have seen the movie, I'm hoping you're thinking the same thing I do with the battering there ram. There's your movie oh, tip. Right. Your movie tip yes. for the day. Well, let's get into a little bit of what Harry's up to while people were going through his, while Ellis was going through his house while he was not. Yeah, really. Bosch is, you know, he's, he's investigating knocking on doors he gets a visit from lexi parks's assistant we saw her a couple episodes ago um 
but she's back and she has found Lexi's appointment book that was actually in her office on a shelf and passes mm-hmm. it along to Harry and he's flipping through, looking at different, you know, activities, you know, seeing if anything stands out to him. And then he sees a flash drive sort of sticking out yep. um, in the middle and he, he pulls that out. And so he listens to that. And it's a recording of the phone conversation that Paul Wynn and Lexi Parks talk about the watch might have been possibly it's been stolen. Mm-hmm. Paul tells her in the conversation that the watch was purchased legitimately in an estate estate sale and that they have the records and she you know she basically demands to see the records Mm -hmm. and then paul says that the details are confidential and some of the paperwork is in storage so she's kind of getting a runaround Mm -hmm. and then she says it shouldn't take a threat of an investigation to get the bottom of it you know Mm -hmm. so we hear that conversation when that on the flash drive that bosh finds yeah so that was a good meeting there (laughs) Uh, yeah it was a good find We've got definitely, we're definitely seeing that there is more to this watch. He is trying to learn more about this watch scenario. He's very Mm -hmm. invested in Lexi Parks' watch and why she took it to this store, but they couldn't repair it because it wasn't purchased there originally. And he has to take it to Feldmar. That's where the watch was sent for repair. And he speaks to, I guess, the manager there. Can't remember his name. I think it starts with a G, but actually, um, it uh, doesn't start with anything. I pause it. It just says jewelry store manager. Okay. <laughs> I talk to the manager. Like always you know, try to always try to get some kind of trivia of names type of thing. But. Right. Of course, you know, immediately, can I help you? And he's like, yeah, I have a question about this watch and the history mm-hmm. of it. And as soon as Harry says, you know, well, I'm a private investigator you know, investigating the, the murder of Lexi Parks. He's like, well, let's go into my office. <laughs> You know, so they're not going to keep talking out in the in the store. They go into his office and, you know, Harry's trying to find out what what happened with this watch. And the manager explains that it was purchased by Dr. Schubert. And then they when they got it for repair, you know, they still had it listed as belonging to Dr. Schubert. Yes, but the person who brought it for repair was someone else. So that's suspicious. And they need to check, you know who's is the owner of this watch now and so when he calls about it he finds out from the wife that her watch and all of her jewelry was stolen and so i guess when the manager talks to dr schubert he finds out that but that you know that had not been reported to them so Mm -hmm. he finds out from dr schubert that it wasn't really stolen that well dr schubert basically stole it from his wife and used it to pay he said it was um you know, a, a bet, a, um, a debt that, you know, he didn't want to share with his wife. And so the assumption that it was some type of gambling debt. And mm-hmm. we've already seen Ellison Long meeting with Dr. Schubert in another yeah. episode. So, and taking more money from him and that the, what was that word? The viz has changed. Big. <laughs> big. The biggest change. Yeah, the biggest yes. change. Um, so we know we know what's going on here that we don't know the exact story and all the details, but but we know that he's paying debts to Ellis and Long. So hopefully Harry will start connecting those pieces. But then also related to the watch, Harry gets a call from the sheriff's department, the detectives Duran and Santana, who are investigating Lexi Parks' murder and they bring up the Wynn brothers' murder at the yep. Wanna Buy a Watch store and you know, they want to know why Harry's business card was there. So they want to bring him in 
to talk to the station. So, of course, Harry wants to get Honey involved. He wants his attorney there with him to talk about that. But before he calls up Honey to bring her to the sheriff's station to talk with Detectives Duran and Santana, we see her mailing an envelope, a blue envelope. She's yep. outside of a public building, maybe a court building. Um, I didn't really clock that. United States Courthouse. Yep. Okay, well, there you go. And she goes to just one of the big old blue postal mailboxes and just drops it in. So it's just kind of, you know, what's going on here? What are you mailing, honey? Because I don't really think of honey sending her mail that way. She usually has someone probably do that for her. She yes. probably sends Matthew to drop her mail or things like that. You know, so, so, so you know something's going on. But anyways, that, that's the first we've seen of her in this episode. But Harry calls her up and it cracked me up. Do you remember how she answered the phone? Oh, yeah. I wrote it down. <laughs> go ahead. You go from here. You sure? Because it cracked you up so much. Yeah, I'll, I'll crack up when you say it too. Okay, so she answers the phone by saying, what fresh hell is this? <laughs> Where did that come from? Is she like in a bad mood? Like we get no I context. I know yeah. that's it's usually just... when Harry's calling her, it's for a reason. And so, yeah. Harry, Maybe what have you learned? Premonition. Or... Maybe she just had a premonition, the way the phone rang It's or just so funny that we didn't have any, you know, like I said, any context around it. And what fresh hell is this? Because she just, yeah, I guess I think... she just wasn't expecting to hear from him or something. She Maybe she just, so many things have been problematic. Maybe she just thinks something else is going wrong, but it was hilarious. What were you I know, thinking? But like you said, like you said, because it's like, this is the... I could see if she was just coming out of like her counseling meeting. Yeah. Something like that. I, yeah. I could see it being like, oh, what kind of, you know, what fresh hell is this? Right. But so, yeah, it's like a funny way of answering the phone. Yeah. So that, that <laughs> I think really. If we, I think if we answered our phones like that to like friends or family, they'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I guess we'll just say shout out to Benjamin Pitts. We really enjoyed that line. So yes. thank you for writing that in. That was uh that was a good Big laugh. Time. But yeah, oh, care, so you want to carry on with them meeting with these uh, detectives? Yes. Oh, boy. This is, uh, it was fun to see this come to life. If you read the books, it's a good scene between, in the books, Haller and Bosch. But Honey and Bosch meet with detectives at the sheriff's West Hollywood station. Honey starts off with saying that for every question the detectives ask, they get to ask one. She wanted a two-way street or they would walk. And uh, the detectives didn't seem too happy about it, but I think can't remember one of them kind of kind of gave a nod i think at some point where okay it'll be a two-way street type of thing so honey wants to know how the double murder case was tied to lexi parks's murder they show him a pic how was it yeah they show him a picture of bosh's card he left with peter mm -hmm. ah, i can never how do you say the last name win 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 okay. like the wind without the d win okay or so peter win the day before at the store, Bosch and Chandler get more information from the detectives than they give because they really don't give much information. They kept on asking question after question after question. And then when it was time for the detectives to say, you know, OK, we got to find out our information. Yeah. So when they start asking questions, Honey says that, that the protection of confidentiality that their client has extends to Bosch as well. And you see Santana's pissed off and says, so much mm -hmm. for that two-way street. Bosch <laughs> tells him that he's sorry and tells them as much as he could before Honey shuts him down. He was trying to disconnect the watch to, you know, get the watch out there for the detectives to mm -hmm. try to track down on their own, considering he's been doing yeah. their work for them. 
Right. You know, Honey wanted to protect David Foster. Bosch thinks that he may have led to the killers to the store. This is the conversation that they're having afterwards after they're outside. You know, Honey's yeah. kind of admonishing them a little bit for, you know, I shut it down because you were starting to get a little bit too chatty. Mm-hmm. And Bosch, being a former detective, always feels like they, you know, they should get the the right amount of information from a suspect or not even a suspect, just somebody that's connected to the case somehow. Mm-hmm. So, but him and uh, Bosch and Honey are talking outside. He's thinking that he may be followed, followed to the store, thinks that maybe Honey may be followed as well. He asks her if she still carries her gun, which she does. And he tells Honey to keep her head on a swivel. I always like that phrase there, too. What does that refer to? Yeah, uh, keep your eyes open, peeled. Oh, like watching all directions kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that Watch makes sense. Watch your six type of yeah. thing, too. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep your head on a mm-hmm. swivel. I remember mm-hmm. him saying that, I know it was said quite a few times, but I think it was uh, when Raynard Waits escaped the field mm-hmm. trip mm-hmm. and he had that big uh, speech to the other officers. You know, you get a call, phone call from somebody saying this, that, the other thing, you know, let's find this guy head on a swivel. I think he says it in that conversation or that, you know, speech. Mm-hmm. I remember it being said a few times in the original series. So I always like, always like the original series phrases coming into the new show. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. And she, I think she mentions that she'll get Mo to to check her car, you know, in case there's some tracking being done on her car. Yeah, I think she says that she doesn't. She, oh, maybe she, maybe she says it later on or something. But I remember, thought she said something about have, she has Mo check it weekly, but I can't remember on that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I think she does. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, I remember something like that. You know, you figure that Bosch would, you know, be keeping an eye open for a tracker. Yeah. And speaking of which, you know, Bosch does look for a tracker on his Jeep. We see him with a flashlight underneath his Jeep trying to mm-hmm. find what he can. So eventually he gets, is that in this episode where he gets Mo to look? Yes. And they and he finds it, you know, but then yes. they, they leave it. They um, leave it because Bosch says to let him let think, him he, think they that he doesn't he know. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if you're uh, a Bosch, if you're a Bosch, no matter what case you're working, I just get a a, a tracker or like what Mo uses that the that, scanner uh, kind of thing. Yeah, sweep thing. sweep the car, sweep the car every morning before you even <laughs> yeah. get into it. Yeah, you never know with your previous job, with whatever job you're working with in this as a PI, yeah. somebody tracking you, somebody can be following you. Just check it every morning. Just make it part <laughs> of your routine. Get your coffee and sweep your car. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk about mo so mo has just a i'd say a little bit more but it's it sounds pretty it may be like one thing he has left to do to get these yep. files back for for jade but it's very a very complicated effort and he, he has post-its on two boards and two columns and things that are wanted that he needs to go through and you can see him on his computer he's working on stuff and, and as he achieve something he moves the post-it over to the other side yep. now i'm i misread this so shout out to i think it's lauren h who pointed this out to me from my recap i thought it was like wanted and found like i you know and then he'd move the post-its oh, okay. over but it's actually p-w-n-e-d so instead of like owned like oh, like okay. I, like I owned that I did it. It's some type of hacker term. So if you look up PWN, look up the slang definition for PWN. I put a link in the recap. It it basically it is an expression of 
like defeated, like almost embarrassed someone, you know, really? like, yeah, like, you know, okay. So it's really, it's really interesting. And I had never heard of that before. And I, I wish Jay was on here. Cause I wonder, you know, he works in it and I wonder if he's familiar with that. So yeah. it was wanted. And then the other column was P W N E D. And I don't know how you'd pronounce that. I'm sure somebody listening probably knows. I would like to know. Um, but yeah, yes. thanks to, to Laura H for pointing that out. So, but eventually, you know, you see him working and eventually he does move all the sticky notes from the yep. wanted column to this other column where he has defeated yep. this guy, you know, this ex-boyfriend or whatever. And he got his credentials, got in, was able to retrieve the file and get all backups and everything. And he saves it on a little flash drive and later delis- delivers it to Jade. Do you want to talk about that? They're at the jazz club, I think, like the yeah, before I get to that, I, I'll, it's funny that you yeah. mentioned that uh, P-W-N-E-D. Mm-hmm. I was trying to pause it, trying to sit, I was trying to read it. I'm like, what's yeah. that? I'm like, you know, rubbing my eyes. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. kind of looked like pinned to me, like P-I-N-N-E-D. Yeah. So I'm glad that the that the person reached out to you and told you what it was. Yeah, I've learned lots of stuff in this episode. I've learned what bottom refers to with like a trap yeah. ring i've learned what pwnd means so as maddie says it was educational yes well you got off your ass and knocked on some doors too <laughs> exactly i googled <laughs> i googled yeah that still counts you're knocking it does. on some doors it there. does that's funny <laughs> so yeah we get a we get a jazz club scene i don't i don't remember i don't think they show the exterior of this jazz scene i think they just cut right to the interior Mm-hmm. So Mo and Jade are at a, gla- a club listening to a jazz band playing on stage. Mo slides a flash drive over to her and tells her that it's all the information that her ex had on her family. She asks how he got the ex's credentials, and he tells her he may have had a sniffer on the jump box uh, server. Uh, he says that the servers and backups are all clean and that he didn't read any of the info off of it. All right. So after those little brief conversations she says that she's a sweetheart and says he's an mvp so mm-hmm. he's no longer slow mo he's an mvp now yes oh. mo bossy mvp yes oh. oh it was fun seeing a scene inside of the of a club i wish i would have remembered this scene because i would have liked to have known what jazz club it was i think club. it's the catalina club it kind of looked like that. I just thought. Maybe... I mean, it looks like what we've seen because I think we've seen the Catalina Club in other episodes, and it yes. looks the same. So either maybe they rebuilt it or something, or I, that was my guess anyway that it was the Catalina yeah. Club. I wouldn't be surprised if they, because like you said, they've used it in episodes in the past. Mm-hmm. We just had a little. Maybe it was, or maybe it's just been a long time since I've seen that. I think the last time we saw him in the club, it was season seven where Bosch was on his date with Judge Sobel. Sobel, yes. Yeah, on New Year's Eve. New Year's mm-hmm. Eve, that's right. Yeah. Ah, so Mo got the got the information for Jade that she was looking for. Yes, mission accomplished. Yes. All right, let's talk a little bit about some other scenes with with Maddie. She um some there's some one of these starts out kind of lighthearted and is fun and then it kind of gets serious. So Paulina does come back to work and yes. Maddie has given her a gift card for Trejo's donuts. I would like one of those. And um, it's so yeah, cute please. that Paulina is so excited about it. When she hears that it's $30, you know, she starts thinking about how many donuts you can get yes. for $30. She's, it's, it's just really funny. I'm, I would like to see more from her character 
like maybe next season now that she's yep. back in Same action because she has just kind of that fun lighthearted yeah. personality and compared a little more to maddie and vasquez is you know a little bit more serious but yeah she's excited about the donuts card and they meet up the three of them meet up at trejo's and get donuts and they're enjoying the donuts and maddie's uh, sharing with them that she had a visit from bss which is the behavioral science services mm-hmm. um, department that you know works with officers for you know counseling needs or just psychological i guess you know can you be in the job if you've had you had an incident. Can you get back yep. to work? I'm definitely not an expert by any means on it, but those types of things I, I believe fall under that department. So BSS is checking in with Maddie, asking her um, some questions. And then Maddie's relaying this, this story to Raina and Paulina. And she basically says, yeah, they kind of just almost tell you what to say. And when I went back and watched the scene with the, the lady from BSS talking to Maddie, mm-hmm. it does almost seem like leading questions. So you are energized and, act, oh, you know, by crew. And so nice. um, are you sleeping better? You know, it's like the natural answer would be yes. And I don't know. I, I didn't see it that way at first. Yeah. I was I was almost a little nervous for Maddie. Like, is she going to get to stay at work? Is this lady going to find something that's concerning? And she would not sign off on maybe her being back at work. But then when Maddie talks to the other ladies about it, you know, she says it was kind of like, she told me what to say. So I went back and watched it again. It was, I was like, oh, you could, I could perceive that as sort of yeah. leading okay. her into acceptable answers. So I don't know. Interesting. Okay. And my notes, cause I kind of had that same feeling that, uh, you know, I wrote down from my notes. This is exactly why I think Maddie was reluctant to give any victim impact statement that she yeah. wanted to be targeted by the department for what she had said, because they, uh, Maddie even asked, you know, you were there and she's like, Oh, I read the transcript. I'm like, Oh, great. You know? So I didn't. I, so next time I rewatch that scene, I'll have to see if I can, I can see it now. I can I remember the conversation yeah. Where, yeah, just... where you were saying she was kind of leading Maddie. So you are sleeping better. So you are energized and okay. Yeah. So now it, it just I felt it. like a different spin on it. when I went back and watched it after she describes it okay. to to Raina and Paulina. Yeah, but... I didn't make that connection. So that I just thought she was saying that to Paulina and and Raina just to kind of not minimize, but just kind of blow past worry, it, you know, not worry them about it. Yeah, type of thing. and it could be that too. It could be that too. It's you know, yeah. it's just, okay, it's complex. You don't know who you believe. So, um, but they're talking about looking out for each other, cops looking out for yes. each other, and then it's kind of funny because Raina has like powdered uh, sugar yep. all over her mouth, so she's got like a powdered <laughs> sugar stash, and Maddie's kind of giggling at it and um, pointing it out, and she's like, "Yeah, see, that's you know, we look out for each other," and and then at some point, Maddie just starts to tear up, you know, yep. and that, and she's because she's just really does care about them and appreciate them how she they are there for each other so it turns from just kind of this lighthearted, funny donut scene to something a little more serious and you kind of just for me anyways i kind of just sensed this a little bit of a catharsis for maddie like you know Mm -hmm. all this a little bit of this emotion was she was allowing it to come out you know not being so stoic so i thought that thought it was a good scene yeah i kind of and i kind of found it funnier that it was vasquez with the, with yes. the powder stash yeah you know because vasquez is this you know we've seen her in season one she's like this tough training officer yeah we've seen it with like crew or even when she's wearing her hair down or at her family's house you can still kind of see that she's you know keeps her eyes open for everything so for yeah. her to have the powder stash it was fun add a little bit more humor to the scene 
Because normally you, it would be, you would see like Maddie doing it and and Raina poking fun at her like come on boot you got sugar on your face or something yep. you know or Paulina even you know yeah yeah exactly first so. couple days back on the job and she's got a powder stash in the door yeah that was funny that was funny it was a good scene <laughs> so right. we we mentioned earlier Honey had mailed this mysterious blue envelope and it has arrived in the mail to its recipient and that is Scott Anderson L.A. Times reporter and. Uh, do you want to pick up here, Mike, with yep. what he finds? Yeah, so when he opens it up, it's a uh, copy of the subpoena that was given to Honey Candler earlier this year, or earlier this season, I think it was episode three or four. One I of those. Three. <laughs> I think it was three, episode three, because it was kind of like starting off with that whole FBI trail or the FBI storyline. So Scott Anderson talks with his editor about trying to get a story on what's going on between Rogers, Bradfa, Bosch, and Chandler. Anderson's editor doesn't even have a name because like, I paused because I'm like, who is this guy? Because we've seen him in the, the original. I think it's Greg. Is it Greg? Okay. So. Well, in this, in this one, it wasn't listed. It was just yeah. the editor. And I'm like, oh, come on. Give me the guy's name. I forgot his name. But at one point during their conversation, uh, the editor says, via Condios, which translates to go with God. Mm-hmm. And Anderson thinks that it was a green light to write the story, but the editor says to see what Chandler says and not to get over his skis. Mm-hmm. So, so good lines in the conversation between the editor and Scott Anderson, because you know, you know, Scott Anderson, he's always looking for that next big story. So, oh yeah. Um, so Scott Anderson meets with Honey to see if she'll give him a quote for the story or article that he's that he's going to be putting out the next day, and she declines to comment or says something like. No comment or however you want to phrase it, but you're not getting any information. So mm-hmm. he basically tells her that she has till the end of the day to 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 get back to him for if she wants to be. But tell him anything it. else before the story runs. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So then, is it that next morning? I, I think I it's think? the I think it's the next morning. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't remember how I know like the LAPD times, I think in the books or previous seasons, I think the online news, the online stories dropped like the night before, hmm. like oh, 10 okay. PM, something like that. I know that's always mentioned that the, that the times website always has it before the paper does the next morning. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. But we see honey, she's inside her house and there's a whole lot of reporters and news crews outside. And as honey's exiting her house, she's barraged with questions about the grand jury, Broadfa and Rogers. Honey stops to make a short statement. And you see Scott Anderson in the middle of the pack, you know, I kind of oh, yeah. like get that whole, not really old school look to it, but it's like you got the reporter that's dropping the school st- scoop or story yeah, so right in the middle of the pack. And he basically says, do you want to say anything? Do you have anything to comment on? And she says that she's going to make a short statement. And she says that somebody's trying to destroy her reputation and trying to stop her from doing the work she does. Mm-hmm. And she also tells him that that won't happen and she won't be intimidated. Right. So and I think so, this was the uh, whole plan all along. From Yes. Yeah. And we, honey. yeah, I was going to say, we see that she's kind of engineered this. She mailed it to him. Mm-hmm. She wanted him to get it. And then we see, we catch up with the FBI later and Barron is talking to the two agents, Long and Jones, and says that the assistant USA attorney believes that they leaked it, yes. um, that they leaked right. the, the subpoena. And it has become a problem because jurors are now frightened. Um, That's right. Yep. And have left. And so it's, I think basically the grand jury is currently kind of on hold yeah. or, or not happening. So <laughs> I guess this was mission accomplished for honey. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's and I think we talked about this a while back because you had said you'd even reminded me. It's like, well, honey, mailed it, didn't she? I'm like, did she? So I rewatched <laughs> it the next time. Like it was just that what five, 10 second yeah. scene. Yeah. So I forgot. Oh, that she was mailing it out. So when, yeah. when I rewatched it, I'm like, okay, blue envelope into the post office box. Okay, blue envelope gets delivered to Scott yeah. Anderson. Like, oh, okay. You gotta See, I keep, didn't put two and two together. So you gotta keep your head on a swivel, Mike. Exactly. In this show, with this show, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it is. There is so much detail and, and so much to pick up. I mean, you help me understand things sometimes that I've missed. It happens all all the time because it's just very rich with detail and yes. little uh signs of things so so yeah well done honey <laughs> we mentioned very early on in the podcast that bosch receives the names from detective pierce identifying mm-hmm. the dirty cops as ellis and long and so we've been using those names that they were he learned that they were with advice and harry asmo to look into them more and he pulls up their records and performance reviews and so forth meanwhile harry is trying to reach dr schubert at the center for cosmetic creations but he gets like a receptionist or someone who tells him that schubert is out doing procedures and is not available he gets back to mo and talks to him and finds out that ellis and long have been partners for six years and then harry guesses that they were assigned to something called the bad cats detail Mm -hmm. which mo is not familiar with and harry explains it as sort of like a mini SIS unit, which means they are very skilled with surveillance. So ding, ding, ding. This makes Mm -hmm. Harry think about checking his car. And he does have Mo, even though Harry had looked before, he has Mo come over with his special equipment and sweeps the Jeep and indeed finds a tracker, but tells Mo to leave it there and will just let them think he doesn't know. Yes. And then just one other detail, you know, we were we were talking about Honey. There is a, a brief scene where she picks up James Allen's, the things, his belongings, his stuff from his yes. um, hotel room. And the, the bartender there at the well, you know, is obviously a friend and he had, he had cleared out the room and was going to pass the things along to his family. So, but he gives them to Honey and she will pass them along to the sister. And we just get a couple of somewhat obvious shots of those, that big old container of rainbow brand condoms again so you know they're trying to tell us something something there i think so yeah so we definitely have you know some more detail on ellison long now harry's been you know he's concerned that someone's following them and you know the Gwyn brothers the Wynn brothers are dead all these they're just finding more and more details and they're putting together um the pieces so basically they, they need to huddle up at honey's house yes. and talk about where things are and and what they need to do next kind of like a status meeting with the three of them so they are there that evening do you want to talk about that yes Bef- just before that scene though ellison yep. long talk mm-hmm. about how his jeep is at the house yeah like yeah ellis kind of puts it together a little bit where well if he no- does know there might be a tracker on it i know where he w- where he would might be he correctly guesses, yeah. Correctly guesses that. So yes, Bosch and Mo are at Chandler's house. They have the pictures of Ellison Long on her table, and she says that those were the ones two uh, officers that had pulled her over mm-hmm. the night after Musso and Frank. Uh, Bosch also plays the audio file file, and we hear a little bit more from the from the recording than we heard originally. I think we, okay. I think you cut it off like halfway through, maybe. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, but uh, she basically, you know, we hear Lexi Parks really pushing the fact that she's going to, she w- really wants to see the paperwork. Her husband's in um, law enforcement, you know, they can't, law enforcement. they can't be buying stolen property. They, they've got to prove, you know, that this is not stolen. Yeah, exactly. They won't stand for that. Exactly. And then we see, I think we see Ellis and Long are sitting outside of Chandler's house as Bosch and Mo are at Chandler's house. Mm-hmm. Well, he also points yeah. out to them or, or make sure that they know that James Allen was a confidential informant for oh, Ellis right. and Long. That yes. he was a CI for Ellis and Long. So that explains why, you know, he had been arrested so many times and then all of a sudden went for like last three years or something. He wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. So he passes that along. And, you know, they he just they talk again about that the witness heard two car doors when Alan's body was was dumped. So they're basically just reviewing all their their evidence and findings at this point. And but Harry says that he suggests that he and Mo go to the jewelry store and mm-hmm. look for this ownership paperwork that they need to try to find that. And so they're going to head that way. But yeah, like you said, Ellis and Long are outside watching them. And so, you know, what has happened here, they figured out, even though Bosch's car looks like it's at his house, you know, they were, they're good at surveillance. They put two and two together, you know, yeah, he's probably mm-hmm. not really at home. So where would he be? And so that means he must have ridden with some driven with someone. Yep. And so he, they are in Mo's car. As yes. they go to the jewelry store, and you want to talk about what they yes. find? Yeah. So I did go back, and when I was on my rewatch of episode six, you you had said that Bosch kind of noticed the the creak in the floor mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. yeah when one of them had stepped on the or stepped over the safe. That we know there's a safe in the floor there. Yeah. So when Bosch is at the Jeweler at wanna at wanna buy a watch. So it's almost <laughs> like a tongue twister. It is. Almost. It is. So when they're at the store, uh Bosch hears that creak in the floor and it kind of either dawned on him. It's like, oh, that's right. I remember hearing something. So he pulls back the rug, finds the safe, calls Mo over to see if he is able to open it. I love how Mo's just kind of like that, you know, he's like a Swiss army knife. You know, he's got a yeah. he's got a it's got a tool or a gadget or, or a fix for almost everything. He knows safe, what he needs. Exactly. Yeah. This safe has like a, a, a like a mechanism that is easy to crack where you just basically yeah, like slide a knife underneath the keypad and you can reprogram the key. The internal the reset. Code. Yeah. Yeah. Internal reset where you can reprogram the code to be anything they want. That's a pretty bad safe. In, yeah. <laughs> but like... I think... I th- on the rewatch I was just doing earlier today, I think he just puts in the code one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, I didn't notice. Okay. I think if okay. not, it's one, two, three, four, five. And it kind of reminded me of the line from Spaceballs with the, uh-huh. with the combination. Who puts their code as one, two, three, four, five? And it's like, <laughs> oh, that's my code for my luggage. And <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so yeah, it pops the safe and they find mm-hmm. that, uh, find all the money and a, and mm-hmm. a DVD in there. Bosch says probably their go money. And then I love the conversation where it's like, well, we can take it back to my place and watch it. Or after Mo had said something about there's a DVD there, DVD player, you know, anymore. And it's like, Bosch is like, I still have an eight track. So, <laughs> um, so it's like, you get the old school and I, I, they're Mosh, definitely two yeah. different generations. Cause they have pointed yeah. that out enough times that they're two different generations. But you kind of see how they kind of vibe on the same level with the jazz, with the, the records, music connects them. The music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Music connects them, which is great. So yeah, we uh, so Bosch and Mo head back up to his house to look over. They're gonna, they're gonna, 
Yeah, they're going to look at the exactly. this DVD and see what they can find. And they're just driving um, along talking about all the twos. Yes. Deuces the are deuces. wild. So, yeah, you had the Vin Scully. Oh, I love how they had this portion in this. Yeah. Because um, we get it in the book, The Crossing, which is great. But Vin Scully, whenever there was a run of twos where it's like two outs, two on, two strikes, you know, he'd say the deuces are wild. And so they're bringing up all the twos in this case. You got Lexi Parks, James Allen, you got the Wynn brothers, you got two detectives or the two cops that pulled over Chandler. Two car doors. Two car doors closing. So the Two men in wild. ski masks. Two men in ski masks. There's just a um, ton of so, them. Yeah, ton of ton of twos so so you hear the line that uh bosh says the you know that deuces are wild then he miss, misses vin scully yeah that's so like you get the title of the episode right there towards the end of the episode mm -hmm. and then uh we see right behind them are uh following up the hill is ellison long in that muscle car that they've driven around throughout the season so far and it's a really nice shot that they did with this i think it looked like a drone shot where they had the you see Moe's car driving on that windy road. You have the charger driving behind, cuts the mm -hmm. lights. So Ellis and Long are following behind. They accelerate. And accelerate right up to looking really close to the back end of Moe's car. The screen fades to black. The screen fades to black. Oh, it's like, what a way to end it. No, yeah. Nice little cliffhanger there. Possibly literally. You never know. We'll have to find out in the beginning of episode eight. But I know Ellis and Long were talking before that they, you know, Ellis, I think, was saying that Bosch is getting too close. Where at the beginning of the episode is, you know, he's trying to calm Long down by saying. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Long thing. is getting nervous at the beginning. And very he's like, he, he, says, he says, it's some, yeah, he's like actually tapping the dashboard yes. or something. Yeah. And then Ellis describes at some point like the this this operation or this involves some finesse you know he's trying yep. to like slow it down like we can't act too quickly you know like you said he's saying stuff like we're not there yet yes. but now they um maybe they're there yes <laughs> and it doesn't look good <laughs> no it doesn't look good but uh but i kind of like what we talked about in the last podcast i was saying that the the episode was bookended with ellison yeah. long and that, yeah. that probably yeah. meant that it was set up for a, a more pronounced episode with Ellison Long in it yeah, and we did point. get that in this I mean mm -hmm. it was just throughout yeah. the whole entire show we get Ellison Long at the beginning which I'm like oh great another book ended yeah. know, episode with Ellison Long being at the beginning and end and then no no we get the the takedown of the trafficking house Ellison's creeping, creeping back his house yep. or to use the the phrase from the show skiing his place skiing his place yeah that's interior. right <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we got a lot of Ellison Long in this episode, which as for the, for especially for Max Martini, I love the actor, you know, he's been in a lot yeah. of great shows. So just mm -hmm. seeing more of his, more of his presence in the episode is kind of fun. But and just the fact that, being, yeah. yeah, just the fact that we finally got their names too. If you, if you, if you don't read the books and you know, you hadn't kind of assigned names to them in your head, it's a long wait to get those yeah. names. Now I know the subtitles spoil that. I mean, or use their names way earlier than they shared yep. the names in the show. So, but yeah, for the actual dialogue in the show, we did not get them. Harry did not learn them, you know, until this episode. And they mm -hmm. may have, I think they referred to each other maybe a couple of times. Like, did he, did he say on that yeah. phone call one time, like it's Ellis or something when he was in bed with oh, Ashley? When he gets caught up. Yeah. When he gets the call early morning. 
yeah. wake up call. That's they right. they may have referred to each other a couple of times, but yeah, we really didn't get the official names until this episode. And this yes. is episode seven of ten. Exactly. So which is kind should... of odd. I mean, I, I know we have like that uh we kind of do the or sometimes we do like the uh the discovery section. Yeah. The reveals. The episode. Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we had a lot of reveals in this episode. Where it's, uh, got the names. We got the uh, recording. The recording from recording, Lexi. Pictures of of the bad officers. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was kind of kind of revealing episode. Like you yeah. said, the puzzle pieces are kind of going into place too. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I had a question for you for our interrogation segment. I know I asked you quite a few along the way, but one that kind of stuck with me. When Harry and Honey leave the meeting with Duran and Santana, you know, and he's talking about, you know, I I may have led the killers there, you know, mm-hmm. to the watch store. Obviously, it you know, that's he's concerned on one level that someone's watching them. You know, he asks Honey, does she still have her gun and all that? So just like physically and safety wise, you know, for the case, there may be, you know, someone watching them. But I also sense that he just did feel really bad, maybe that he could have led the killers there. He doesn't want to feel that responsibility, you know, Mm -hmm. that by, um, by him being there, if someone was following him, that these guys ended up dead, you know, which is natural for someone to feel. I'm not saying it's not natural. You would feel bad about that, but just where do you think Bosch's head is more? And, and do you, do you think this is a, are we seeing more of a side of him about the sort of the emotional side that maybe we've seen throughout the original series? Yes. Okay. All right. Good question. No, my answer good. is yes. <laughs> Can I buy a vowel? No, <laughs> um, no, that's a that's a great question. I think we've seen. I think I've mentioned that too, where where he finds out that James Allen was killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, you did bring that up. You know, you, you kind of see that he's not just not just because it hurts the case. You'd see that it kind of hits him a little bit, where it's like, oh shit, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. Kind of see how, yeah, so we, yes, I think we see more that he's kind of toned down, gotten a little bit more empathy into the character, which is great to see. Because mm-hmm. back when he was carrying a badge, maybe it's just because he has to finesse things a little bit more now. Yeah. Because he doesn't have the badge. When he had a badge, he can go knock on a door and talk to anybody. You know, the badge would open doors for him. And now that the doors are kind of halfway shut, you know, he's kind of got to finesse the way in. But mm-hmm. I think we see more of the em- empathy in Bosch this season, especially. Okay. He started working on cases, right. defense cases. With Yeah. there's And the fact of... that, he's, that he knows that the person is innocent, too. They, David Foster's innocent. Yeah. So it kind of all plays in. So yeah, I think we, I think you, I think you got it right. I and I wondered when I, we were talking, thinking about the fact that he's actually working on some defense cases in this series. It's probably a different emotional investment. Like when you're constantly trying to law and order, and you're like on the prosecution mm-hmm. side, um, it's maybe you're hardened a little bit more. But when it comes maybe to defending someone who you think really could be innocent, there is a different yep. type of element to that. But yeah, I just think it's been, I think we've seen a few times, like you said, that we are kind of seeing this little bit, I mean, not softer in any sort of negative way, but just seeing a little bit more empathy. Like he and Maddie are both so stoic most of the time, mm-hmm. except when it comes to their their family, you know, but now we're starting to, I think we're seeing more from Bosch feeling things and, you know, like you said, empathy for people outside his family. And I think it's a, it's an interesting evolution and subtle enough that it just it doesn't hit you over the head you know 
but yeah. but it just made me stop and wonder about that. So yeah, exactly. How about you? Do you have any more interrogation well, I had, questions? I just had one quick one because it was a scene that we kind of skipped over. It was just a twenty-ish second scene where Honey's about to leave the office and she sees Martin talking to Matthew. Oh yeah. Oh, Matthew should have come to him. You know. Yeah. And then when Martin sees Honey standing in the hallway there, he, he gets up and closes the door. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you could still probably hear what's going on through the door. I just I was just I put on a question: fear of him to do that? Do you think fear of yeah. Martin to close the door on Honey like that, or probably fair given the situation that she's whether he believes she's at fault or not? You know, she's got them and his business. You know, in sort of some murky areas and you know, kind of shining a spotlight on things and she's getting a lot of media attention and stuff and he just fbi coming around and you know what's happening with matthew i mean it's just it yes yeah, so for those reasons i think it's it's i think it's warranted for him to be upset you know disappointed and frustrated maybe is a better word so he's been burned kind of you know like he never wanted the fbi coming in and you know talking to his associates and things like that but it's been happening so maybe he's just sort of putting up his guard a little bit more and that's almost like a a metaphor for him putting up his guard i'm just going to close the door this has been you know we've been very open and Mm -hmm. you know very supportive of one another and i just don't want to get burned again kind of thing i mean I i don't mean to make it more complex than it is but i i do think that he's frustrated and so that was just probably a response to that frustration and maybe he just doesn't know who to trust now, you yeah. know, that, so he, maybe he's just being more, more protective, but I did notice that honey seemed hurt by it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I noticed that too. So I, that's a good observation though. I kind of, I kind of like the complex way of thinking. I know that are the only question I had. I think the, uh, I written down the question where, cause I written down the question before your take on the BSS uh-huh. conversation with maddie i've oh, yeah. written down do you think maddie gives the hugs to vasquez and paulina because she thinks she's fierce she's in fear of being taken off the street oh. but now that when you talked about how the bss was kind of walking her through to what answers she had to have mm-hmm. so that was a good one so yeah so person of interest time do you have any person of interest in mind uh, let's see i hadn't really thought of this ahead of time i should have well you want me to go first because yeah I can, Trying to make it maybe a little bit easier. Narrow it down for me, yeah. I did have a hard time trying to figure out because you have Bosch, Maddie, Moe, and Chandler. You know, they're being all-stars in the episode. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can pick any one of them and it could be an easy way out. Mm -hmm. So I had to dig a little bit deeper for this and I have to give it to Ellison Long for actually doing their freaking jobs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good one. Yeah, we said bad guys can be can be persons of interest or you know absolutely. So I just have to give it to Long and Ellis so we actually see them taking down a trafficking operation. Yeah, yeah. You know they're meeting with their lieutenant and obviously it was for you know Ellis's own. What is it? Ellis's own concoction is planned to try to get Maddie to or try to get close to Maddie, trying to find out information. I don't know what the whole plan was going forward but at least it was good to see them doing their jobs for once and you know yeah so do you have anybody in mind that you thought of i'm gonna go with the late vin scully um i mean there was it was such a it was a a wonderful homage to him Mm -hmm. first of all for all you dodgers fans and just baseball fans in general 
So I appreciated that aspect, but it just did tie in really well, you know, with the story. And I mean, I believe you mentioned it was in the book as well, mm -hmm. but the, the deuces are wild. It just applies so perfectly to all these twos, like Harry's going through them at Honey's mm -hmm. house at the end. So it's just, uh, just a great way to tie that together and uh, give it a little bit of a punch, you know, yes. make it even more interesting if that's a, a fair statement so i mean you've, his name's in the title and his saying is like one of the last words in the episode yep. and he's a beloved person we have to give it to him i'm gonna yeah I'm gonna go with that yeah so yeah let's uh y'all get to some trivia questions oh here. sure now you said you had a game too so i got trivia yes. and a game okay for trivia are you ready for this tracy i'm hopefully ready <laughs> Hopefully ready. Okay, I'm, I'm hoping I take it easy on you for at least a question or two here. And then I got one hard question. So we'll do okay. uh, uh, the one of the easier ones. When Mo is first starting his computer work for digging into the ex-boyfriend, how many post-it notes were on each side of that whiteboard? On each side? When we first see him or? When he first gets to work on it, there's both boards had full post-it notes on i was just curious how many post-it notes per side of the what would you say it was the wanted and p w n e d yeah how many post-its uh, per side 12 no close <laughs> there was nine per side nine per side okay yes. all right I thought that I was hard. That's a hard question. <laughs> Sorry about that. I thought I thought because you because me, it's like I paused it because I was like trying to figure out what the second word was. It's like oh I, yeah, yeah. Left column was it's pretty legible, it's readable. I'm like, is that second word pinned? Yeah. And then you find out it's something else. So I thought maybe you might have paused it to and counted the post-it uh, notes. But also gotta be but also we gotta be careful because PPI sometimes does a real deep dive into some trivia here. So uh, kind of Mo-related trivia questions tonight. So when Mo and Jade are at the club listening to the jazz band, the jazz band says their name. What is the name of the jazz band on stage? Catalyst. Yes, the Catalyst. Good the job. Catalyst. And, ooh, wait. This could be an easy one for you. If you're listening carefully, this could be an easy one for you, and then I'll do the hard one. Afterwards. <laughs> okay. How many seasons did Vin Scully call Dodgers games for? 67. Yes, very good. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I'm like, because when Bosch is telling Mo, you know, he's he called games for Dodgers for 67 seasons. I'm like, ooh, that'd be a good trivia question. Yeah. Here's the tough one. Don't be surprised if you don't get it. <laughs> Me, I had to have my kid because I was watching it on the TV, which is about 10 feet away. Okay. I even had my youngest kid. I'm like, okay, on the screen there, can you read that number for me? Okay, type of thing. Okay, when Bosch gets the text message from Pierce, he opens the messages app. What was the date and time of the, the previous text message conversation took place? Date, date and time. time. Yeah, yes. um, I would just be a, a guess. I, I'll guess the year. I'm trying to think when this. Let me give, give you a hint. It was when they were going to meet so he could look over the murder book. Right. I'm trying to think when this was taking place. Was this supposed I to be know, like in so August? August of 22? No, sorry. Way off, probably. Now, August, I think, is when Maddie gets kidnapped or September somewhere. Mm, in there. So four okay. months later, it jumps to. So this conversation, the last conversation that took place between Harry and P 
Pierce was January 26th at 4 14 p.m. So, what year? Uh, 20, what does it say? Let's see. I don't think it said the year. It oh, said okay. Yeah, okay, okay. All right. No, I didn't so, get that one. But I'm curious now. It should be 2022 because that's when they filmed this season. Let's get to the fun game. The game is called Bosch Word. It's like Password, only better because it's Bosch related. Okay. Okay. So I have a list of words listed out here. So the goal of the game is for me to get you to say one of these words without using the word, and I can only use one word. It's like Password. Um, I don't know if you ever watch the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can only give me one word clues and you can't say the word. Okay. And I can't say the word or I can't say an extension of the word. And if you say something similar, I can give you one option to change it. Now, I'm a fan of the power. I'm a fan of the KFAN radio station here in the cities. Um, And the afternoon people, our broadcaster, they do a game called Password. So I can't do any hand gestures mm-hmm. or anything like that to kind of get you to try to say the word. I can only say one word and okay. you'll have five to 10 seconds to kind of throw a word out. That might be the password. How many chances do I get to guess the word? I can. So if you guess a word, so I'm going to do like, uh, if I, if you get on the first try, like I'll say a word. And if you get on the first try, you'll get three points. Okay. If it takes you two words, you'll get two points, three, one, and then okay. no zero. So I, I get three chances okay. to try to get you to get okay. the right. Okay. So I'll give okay. you three points if you get on the first word. So this is on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because your points are dictated on how I how I set it up. So I'm going to sure, get my sure. notepad app here ready to go and mark down how many points you get per word. Okay, so the first word. These are all words that are affiliated with Bosch Legacy Season 2 up through Episode 7. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. So they're all affiliated with Bosch Legacy Season 2. So that should make it a little bit easier, I mm-hmm. hope. I hope. <laughs> okay. So that being said, now let's start the game. Okay. <clears throat> Bug. Mo. No. Okay. So that's going to come up with another one. Can they be, Can they be names or just words? There's names and words. Oh, okay. Standard okay. names and words. So there are okay. words of, of things. Yeah. Creepy. Scorpion. Bingo. Two mm-hmm. points. Nice. <laughs> All right. So you got on the second word. So you got two points. All righty. So barrel. Great. Yep. Three points there. Mm-hmm. See, this is this would be so much better because I was gonna I was gonna chat. I was gonna use the chat feature. Yeah. And text Pete or Jay. Yeah. You know, these words, and they'd have to have you try to get them right, and then they'd get the points. But since I can't get any points, we figured I figured I'd switch it up. So okay. Good. So for this next word, let's do observation. Surveillance. Bingo. Nice. <sighs> Three points there. All righty. For the next one, sand. Desert. Bingo. Three points. <laughs> See, these are kind of awesome, aren't they? Yeah, it's fine. And... Pancakes. Dupars. Bingo. I figured that was going to be an easy one. <clears throat> Stab. Knife. Nope. Hold on. <laughs> Pin. Oh, um, well, it's making me think of Doc Weiler and the scene in the interrogation room. Uh... Not pen. Pin. P-I-N. Oh, P-I-N. Pin. Stab and pin. Give me another one. Nothing. Okay. Ouch. 
thinking the injection when he injects her. No, sorry, it was Pierce. Oh, yeah. out here. That's oh fine. that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, so next one, dog. Coltrane. Bingo. Three point. <laughs> and for the last one, we'll do coffin. Maddie? No. Doc Weiler. Or no, I need another word. Buried. Not Maddie. No. Doc Weiler? No. What am I missing? Desert. Zizek's? No. That was box. Sorry. Oh. Yeah, I was trying to get you there. I could have said I could have done cardboard, maybe that, but there's no cardboard box. Well, there's cardboard boxes, but all right. So let's add up your points. Okay. So you got 17 out of a possible <laughs> be bad, probably. Got 17 out of 24. Not bad. So you okay. only missed Pearson box, and it took me two two words to get you to Scorpion. So that wasn't too bad. Okay. At all. Yeah, I was just warming was up there with Scorpion. So yeah, better than 50%. Yep. So that was fun. Like I said, I think it was kind of similar to the game you and you did with me and Pete, where you'd text us a word. Uh huh. But Pete had like many words. I mean, you could say, like, I think for one, you had one is like a, a, a judge. So I'm like, he proceeds over a trial. Yeah. But it's like yeah. half where you get one, you one, know, you get one at a time. Yeah. Words. That was fun. We'll have to so. do that again. I could do it for you and you could do it for me. Yeah. That's fun. Oh, yeah, if good. we get and we have a, an extra host, a third host sometime, we'll do it. Definitely do it. And I'll throw out I'll throw on some more words here because as as the seasons go, we get more words. More words, more stuff use. to use. Yeah. Okay. All right. Excellent. Well, that was that was fun. I like that. Thank you for, for putting that together. No problem. I, I, like to... I said, I was coming out, I was driving home listening to the program that's called program password on the oh, Okay. Yeah. So when I heard that, I'm like. I could do something Bosch related. So when I got home, I started throwing names out from Bosch season two. I'm like, oh, we got this, we got that, we got that, this. No, that's I mean, definitely with all good. The characters, because you can do mm-hmm. characters. Like I said, I was hoping I, I could get you to Pierce. Oh, so good. But, that was uh, so clever. And I just, I was I know, not I was clever like, enough. Stab, Pierce, pin, but you yeah. threw her pen. So, yeah. I, so yeah, that's all it kind of. That's good. It was definitely fun to, to, fun to play for a change instead of just leaving the game. That was cool. So well, I, I thought you needed a, a, a break from nice. <laughs> nice. We have some great intel from Tom Bernardo coming up next. So stay tuned for our showrunner spotlight segment to hear more about episode seven from Tom. Yes. Uh, I think that's it for us. And we'll be that's back for show. more with episode eight. Good night, everybody. Yeah. I miss Vin Scully. Seeing Ellis go through um, Harry's house is just like really unnerving for me. Very uncomfortable. It felt like a violation. And and Mike and I talked about it and we couldn't remember another time when someone actually infiltrated Harry's home from the original series to to now. So we're going to kind of test ourselves with you. Is, Is that accurate? And do you think that had something to do with it that we'd never seen it? And like, how do you feel about it? Us feeling it kind of like a makeup well i mean it is a violation obviously but it just was really uncomfortable i just so yeah. mad at that guy no you're you're exactly right i mean there is something about when someone is in your home mm-hmm. uh very personal very it is a violative thing and i and i credit our d- director of that episode haifa almansor she she captured it in a way that brought out this sense of unnerving because it's happening during the day. So it it, yeah. it it shouldn't be as unnerving, like visually at night, right. 
be that much more disturbing. I think the fact that he's in his bedroom and picks up that picture of the of mm-hmm. you know father and daughter and then uses that is even more personal. So we're carrying all that into that scene as an audience, and we know what he's capable of. So that's right. yeah. too. Um, with respect to sort of whether someone's been in that house before. Here's my recollection from the original series. In in season three, I believe uh, Max Arsenega's character, Chavi, he was one of the three amigos. Uh, we never see it, but we know that he's he has been inside the house and uh, he left something out of place. Bosch caught it and thought it was one of the Teferos who had yeah. sort of mm-hmm. broken into his house. So he confronts, I believe, Rudy Tefero, really going back here in my memory. Yeah. And then, of course, I think it's at the end of season five or six. Sorry, I'm blanking on it right now. Uh, season five, rather, when there's an attack in the middle of the night at Bosch's house, yeah. when our guys from the the pill shills, um, yeah. a little bit different than getting inside his house when he's not right. there. But that's the the only other time we've sort of taken something that far being okay. inside that yeah. house. So good pickup, but I think there is some precedent for it, even if we haven't seen it before. Yeah. Well, we talked about both of those scenes and Mike did the total recall on the um the, on the Max Arsenegas character. And then I, I talked about the with the pill shill guys and and we were just talking, we're like, but the difference is we actually saw it happen. You know, That's right. I think, you yeah. Know, so was, yeah, good pickup. Good it was a good play. Good play. All right, Mike, you got one next. Yep. Uh, what kind of cons- consultation was utilized for the scene where the CRU and and is it advice taking advice. down the trafficking? Yep, trafficking house. <laughs> that was uh, highly sort of informed and coordinated by Tim Marsha, who's an invaluable part of our show. Mm-hmm. He's oftentimes in the writers' room, so we're always picking his brain, uh-huh. both in the room and outside. We had come up with the idea in the room. I think it was Chris Downey, one of our writer producers, had come up very early with what would happen if Ellis got close to Maddie in in what was like an official capacity, but he uses that to try to pump her for information about the case. And that ultimately mm-hmm. she unwittingly tells him something that endangers Bosch. Mm-hmm. And it was a great idea. And we sort of held on to it, even if we didn't, we kept coming back to when does that happen? When does it happen? And sometimes we'll have a great idea like that and we have to abandon it because it doesn't, it doesn't happen organically. And, but here it, it presented itself because suddenly you had a legitimate piece of business, which is this trafficking sort of case that our vice guys were already on. And mm-hmm. I wanted to present that so that the audience really didn't know what they were up to. They're taking into that scene this idea that Ellison Long are always running some scam. So it's yep. a little, I hope, a little disorienting in the best way because then you realize what their motivations are afterwards. Yeah. They yeah, feel it, that, that sort of tightening vice. And I love when a character is smart when they use something in the world to try to get them out of something or they mm-hmm. use it to weaponize against another character and it feels organic because it's coming out of their world. That's what this was. Mm-hmm. But as, as far as the takedown, the details of all that, how Maddie would be between dressed to the tactics she would have working with Ellis, being in that van, going up and, and so approaching the the target and and taking down the subjects. That's all, you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time on that kind of stuff because we wanted to look right. And, mm-hmm. and uh, be true. So we, we do the best we can. We don't always get it right. But that was another instance where the, we knew there was a big set piece. So we put a lot of time and resources into it. I think our people pulled it off really well. But it all came from this idea in the room where what if Ellis 
it always starts that way, which is exciting about storytelling is what if this, or what if that, and, you know, and, and that sort of came out of that, that idea, which was, I, I always liked, and I'm glad we were able to, to pull it off. Did you guys have to build out that stairwell some on set or was it on location? That was all location. Okay. You know, tip of the cap to our people going out and finding that place because it, again, spatially you have to, how do we introduce it, right? We have Ellison Long in a car. It's that relationship between them and the building, then figuring out how they get inside there and then featuring a couple of different rooms and, and, and basing that operation on something that is real in terms of this tragedy of, of women being trafficked from certain countries and, and put in these rooms. And this is sort of how it goes down when someone comes in selling how they could have gotten this off of an ad, how they have to kind of prove their credentials, so to speak, when they get to the door to, to get past, you know, the mm-hmm. threshold, all those things we sort of researched and, and tried okay. to. Write. Yeah. Okay. Well, along with that scene, after they do the takedown, Ellis, he's taking some energy um, out on the, the pimp. You know, he's really roughed, roughed him up. That's what I was trying to think of. And when he says to her that, you know, what happens here stays here, right? Should we take that primarily as a threatening remark or an intim- or tim- intimidation? I think the play that Ellis is using there is because he's an experienced cop with this younger, he's trying to kind of recruit her into this mentality that we're all on the same team. And yeah, I might have had to get a little rough there, but you and I both know that was necessary. And Mm -hmm. no one's we're never going to talk about that, are we? You know, we wanted a moment in which Ellis's lethality and Mm -hmm. uh, his brutal nature flashed and for Maddie to see it. Right. And then kind of be a little conflicted about what what was that about? I mean, again, the audience knows who he is in terms of the bad guy of it all. Mm -hmm. She doesn't. So we're sort of playing on that dramatic irony a little bit. And then there is that moment where he's kind of sizing her up and trying to get a measure of her, whether she will say something. Uh, And uh, I think she says something along the lines of it was educational, which is sort of Mm non-committal. There's again, these are the sort of things we'd like to write to because there's subtext to that. And people aren't saying really what is on their mind. It's, it's, It's what's unsaid that's kind of implied there. 